Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Climate Change in the Multiverse. I'm here today with Amrita Ahuja, and I could not be more pleased. Uh, I met Amrita a couple years ago, and she recently came back into my life in the most perfect way, in the most perfect time. And I've been working with her for about five weeks now, maybe four, I don't know. It's just been a whole whirlwind and uh, I already feel my life changing so dramatically. So I'm so excited to share her wisdom with you and and have her tell her story to you today. Welcome, Amrita. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be here. Amazing. I'd like to start by opening with a quote that you love that I found in your notes. <laughs> it's a quote from Hafez. Yes. Feed cracked open a poem, I should say, not a, a poem. So it used to be that when I would wake in the morning, I could with it with confidence say, what am I going to do? That was before the seed cracked open. Now Hafiz is certain there are two of us housed in this body, doing the shopping together in the market and tickling each other while fixing the evening's food. Now when I wake, all the internal instruments play the same music. God, what love mischief can we do for the world today? Oh, nice. <laughs> that lights me up from the inside. <laughs> I mean, aren't we? I mean, I, I believe that. I believe we're vessels for, for, you know, I mean, whatever you want to call it, God, source, you know, creator, greater energy upon which we can rely as I once described it. Um, yeah, there's no doubt that we are in service of something much greater. And I think we are in service just by existing and being, and ideally we would be the expression of our innermost essence without all the stuff caked around it that we tend to collect as we, you know, move through life and things become difficult over time and we encounter difficult situations and they shape us. And sometimes they shape us in ways that are not serving. And so, you know, the work that I do is really helping people get out of those unserving aspects of themselves so they, they can free themselves to be just who they are naturally in their innermost self and really be a conduit and a vessel for exactly what Hafez is des describing. Um, and boy, don't we need more of that right now in the world with everything that's going on. We need way more vessels. We need people who have greater perspectives. We need to see things through the eyes of source. There's no doubt about it. We need to see ourselves through the eyes of source first. Mm -hmm. And then we need to see all else through the eyes of source. Wow. Yes. Yes. The seed cracked open. Yes. Oh, but we can't do this because we're in survival mode. Oh boy, aren't we ever. It's interesting, you know, when I first started developing groundwork and started talking about, uh, well, sorry, I should say I started developing groundwork 13 years ago when I started thinking about how to get things done in a way that I could also have my peace of mind be intact. So I started kind of looking at which, which um, tools I could bring together in my own life to really have a system for managing everything I had coming at me, which eventually became the groundwork productivity system. And then later on, about three years ago, started developing the survival pattern work. And yeah, it's interesting. When I first started using the words survival mode, I'd, I'd be like, 
I think the best way to describe this is that we're in survival mode and we need to get out of survival mode. And some of the people who were advising me on the strategy of groundwork said, you know, maybe most people might not understand what you mean by survival mode. And I thought, oh, maybe they won't. Oh, is that not ever? That's not true at all. (laughs) There's not a single person that I say those two words to and they're like, that's me. I get it. I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm totally in survival mode. So yeah, we're, we're drowning right now, aren't we? It's so wild to me because I've been telling people about meeting you and starting to work with you and learning from you. And I turn around to say like, well, this is what it is. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, and this is the struggle. This is when we met. You were like, I need help telling my story. Like, what, what is it? And it's like this, because it's too simple. It's like, yeah, yeah. But the whole conditioning and the whole setup of the world has us believing that we're meant to be living in survival mode. So we've had to learn this language of like where we exist most of the time is not how we like to be because we don't want to be stressed. We don't want to be anxious. We don't want to be diseased. Like, but, but that is just kind of normal. And so because we're in this upside down world, it's like difficult to explain your work. The upside down world. I love that term. Yeah, that's from, um, what's it called? What's it called on Netflix? I love that show. Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Which I haven't seen. (laughs) You haven't seen it? Oh my God, you've got to watch it. The whole thing is about the upside down world. I've heard it talked about and I've been just thinking about it because like from my time, especially out at Fairy Creek where we were defending the old growth forests and like economically, politically, like nobody thought it was a good idea yet they were doing it anyways and paying millions of dollars to police it and be and like just like harming people it just and I'm like oh it's completely upside down nothing about this makes sense we're just right I must pick that up from the the zeitgeist right because it's like everything's backwards we're like it's broken it's like no it's built this way it's just built in the wrong direction isn't that wild hey I know. I mean, I'm a big fan of um, Trisha Hersey's who I wrote Rest is Resistance and how when we rest, we resist the structures, right? And the system that has us believing that we're we're supposed to somehow just produce to no end and that we're really not meant to be at ease in some ways or be rested in other ways. It's just wild to think that that's it's so normalized. You know, and, and there's so many ways that that, that 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 gets expressed. I was just on a, just coaching one of my clients, um, and she's the founder of an incredible company. I mean, they just they had so much success. And she's now realizing that she's been, you know, she's built the company kind of, she's gotten herself to, to where she's gotten to by being in survival mode, which is what everybody tells us we're supposed to do to build a company. It's like, you're supposed to hustle hard and you're supposed to like, you know, strategize it to the ground. You're supposed to know what your plan is five years out into the future. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That is crazy making. I mean, most of us don't have the answers of what what tomorrow's going to feel like. And we're expected to sort of have a vision and then plan backwards on it meticulously so that we know every single move is going to be like moving us in a certain outcome, certain direction. There's no room for spontaneity, for like aliveness, for like creativity to arise. And and you know that it feels good when you're in that rested place. You know that that when that creativity is arising spontaneously, you know how life-giving it is. And yet we don't make the room for it. We don't, we don't plan for that. We don't account for that in our schedules or in our lives in any way. And so a big part of the work that I'm doing with people is just like, okay, what does it look like to live a non-survival-based life? What does it look like to build a company that's not survival-based? And I believe that we should be only closing the gaps so far as we have the clarity. 
like forget this going too far into the future and trying to over strategize and over manage a plan and over engineer things and over control situations. I mean, those, all of those things that I just said are all survival strategies. Those are not, I'm rested, relaxed, and I trust how things unfold. And I'm working and cooperating with a greater force that I can rely on. This is like, I'm the driver. I've got to produce. I've got to, no wonder we're all fucking depressed and anxious. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah. But yeah, so survival mode. We are, we're, we're, most of us are in it. And it's difficult to have perspective when we're in that. It's difficult to be the vessel because it's very myopic in nature when we're in that survival place. We have the blinders on and we lose our openness. We lose the data that's all around us, revealing itself to us constantly. And we can't act on it even because we're so overwhelmed or we're already overscheduled. Where our tasks list and our to-do list are insane like no one person could get through most of our ta- task list never ending never ending. never ending the never ending task list right and yet we think the answer to feeling better is if we just get to the bottom of the to-do list it doesn't make any sense it's like so twisted and i will say you know i i i also have to, i always have to give the caveat of like i love getting shit done right like that's why i developed a productivity system because i wanted to know how do i produce in the world like i love being in action and doing things and accomplishing things and meeting my kind of internal visions for myself. I love that stuff, but we got to flip it on its head. The priority has to be, how am I experiencing that stuff along the way? How am I getting things done along the way? Am I established at the level of being before I go into doing? And is it okay if I share a graphic real quick? Sure, please. I always think it helps for people to see this. Oh, I didn't pull it up or did I hang on one second here? What, and we can talk through it too, for the people who are listening. Perfect. Uh, well, right. as you're pulling that up, I'll say you, uh, you're the blinders. It's making me think like, you know, we're in these human bodies. We see through our eyes and it's just like this very narrow point of view, right? We can only see what's directly in front of us and like really a small scale of field. Actually, most, most of what's around us is out of focus. Yes. And- And like, that's this linear worldview, right? And we're experiencing the world through this linear consciousness. And yet there's infinite data around us. There's infinite information. Nothing is linear. It's just through our experience. And that's okay. Cause we're in a body and like, you know, we're, yeah. we're, you know, you can't unscramble the egg. We're moving forward and it's great. However, we can tap into everything that's around us. If we divest from those blinders, from just <laughs> making through this very patriarchal, goal-based long you know and and nothing's wrong with goals nothing's wrong with wrong term but like this sort of like it has x plus y equals z instead of closing the small gaps and seeing what comes from from focusing on the present yes exactly um and and and, i mean there are so many amazing thinkers out there adrian marie brown emergent strategy pleasure activism i mean she's all about that right like things emerge so we, these philosophies exist out there. They're not the dominant philosophy, which, you know, obviously is a big part of the work that I'm trying to do is make this more common um, so that we talk about these things in a different way. Because boy, the relief that comes for people when they when they see this, it's if they know it makes sense. They know that they're in survival mode and that things aren't working that the way that they've been taught to do them. So, you know, uh, 
I mean, for those of you who can't see this graphic right now, I can explain it. It's very, it's very simple. It's two lines crossed. And what it is, is that the vertical plane of life is the being plane, right? The horizontal plane of life is the doing plane. And they kind of intersect here uh, in, in the graphic that I'm showing right now. But boy, we we think the answer to feeling better about ourselves is just doing more, like more action. Like if I just get, you know, X amount more revenue for the business, if I just get X person hired, if I just, oh, if I just made, you know, if I just get to that long weekend where I know I'm going to take the time off, if I just read this book, it'll solve my problems. If I just talk to this person, it'll do this. It's like the answer is not going to be on the horizontal plane. The answer is first always establishing ourselves at the level of being at the on the vertical plane of life. And then have at her. Go for it. Let's take action. No problem. But if you're in survival mode, taking action, you're going to get a whole certain set of results with that. You're going to get a whole certain experience. I mean, I don't love talking about the results, but the results are, it's clear when you're not in survival mode, the results are better. It takes more time, a little bit more time to see the, the fruition of that. But boy, does it ever have so much momentum? You don't even have to worry. But for me, what I'm trying to get people to prioritize is like, yes, we want to get shit done. We want to do stuff. But the priority above all else, your number one priority, your top priority has to be how are you being along the way. Are you in survival mode? Are you operating from those survival patterns that you have that are deeply ingrained? Or can you be in this rested place? You know, I describe non-survival based living as a foundation of ease, clarity, and joy. And we all have access to it naturally. So we, we need to be prioritizing, establishing ourselves there first, and then going into action. That should be the number one priority. Everything else should be secondary to that. Mm. And when you flip those priorities on their head and you actually get them straight, holy, the momentum, the results, the accomplishment, the sense of aliveness, the quality of life, the quality of your relationships, quality of your communication, the grace you have as you move through the world, it's so much richer, so much more life-giving. So yeah, that's really, that's really what I'm after with the work that I do. Wow. Oh, 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 oh. I can just feel like the relief in my body listening to you talk about that and the permission, because I think a big piece is that, and we were just talking about this before we started recording this podcast. I, I was feeling quite emotional. We had a, a time set up to start recording and because I know I can be safe with you, you know, maybe if, if the podcast had been with someone else, I would have been like professional mode go, but I'm like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm processing some stuff right now. And, you know, I was like, okay, let's, let's drop in, you know, and we talked about it and made some incredible discoveries. Holy, I'm, I'm kind of blown away because I've, my ego, um, my intelligence, my mind is so sharp yes. that it tricks me. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> you know, and, and um, I've started to write about this, like, you know, I do not recommend living with an open heart and mind. And mm -hmm. I 
do. And yet there's subtleties there that need to be parsed in terms of if we're not getting out of survival mode, if we're not, if, if, if patterns are replicating, which I know in my life they have been. And so I've started to question my open mind and, and, and wonder, you know, how am I finding ways to employ cognitive bias to keep myself in the survival pattern, to keep returning to the pain and, and feeling it, but not releasing it. And the, the whole society is set up to tell us that we're never going to be enough because if we're not enough, then we're going to keep participating in cap capitalism willingly thinking that, as you say, if we just get to the top of the ladder, if we just get to the bottom of the to-do list, then I'll feel okay with myself, but it's never, you're never going to feel okay with yourself when you're reaching externally. Exactly. Well said. Yes. Yeah. And it's interesting when you become, when the motivation for how you live your life and how you plan your days and you schedule your, you know, all the things that you're accountable for and responsible for becomes about, um, yeah, the experience you're having internally, like how you feel when you're, when you're actioning those things, because the motivation towards ease is that it's almost like, I don't know how to quite describe it, but it's almost like the more momentum you give that and the more you dedicate yourself in the pursuit of that ease and that clarity and that joy, it naturally pulls you towards it. And in the beginning of the work that I teach, a lot of people are just motivated by getting away from pain, right? Like they want out of the pain that they're in. They want out of that survival state. They want out of the things that kind of keep them trapped in, in this like recurring thing of, like you said, either not feeling good enough or being afraid of, you know, not getting validated in the ways that they need or performing or having success as they see it. And so they're trying to get away from this kind of painful experience of like, what happens if I don't, if I don't make it, if I don't get these needs met externally and slowly over time, we're rewiring to really come to the realization in a very simple way, in a very direct way that you're, you're just looking for love in all the wrong places. Like you're just, you're not going to get your needs met there. The needs that you want to get met are actually only available inside of you internally in your internal state in your internal experience. And when you solve for that first, then everything else works itself out. And I'm, you know, I'm dealing with highly successful people, right? Like the people that I'm coaching have a certain amount of success they've already achieved. And then somehow along the way, they, they have the realization that, okay, I'm not feeling as fulfilled as I thought I would, or I'm still feeling like I need to achieve more or I'm over scheduling everything. And yet I'm just dying at the end of the day. I'm barely feeling like I got through the day. So it sounds so simple in some ways to say, okay, we got to look at what's going on internally, but it's just what it is. You do have to look at what, what's going on internally. Like the external motivators are only going to get you so far. We all have something inside. We all like, to be in a body is to be an experience of separation. Yes. And that's why I love that, that, that poem talking about finding the, the, the synthesis inside. I'd been thinking about it because I think a lot about um, these polarities that we call gender. 
um, and like the male female dynamic, because that's my lived experience and like the seeking of that dynamic externally. So I've been thinking a lot about that internal synthesis as the we inside, you know, the genderless he, she, um, but now I'm realizing it's also the merging with source or creator God and, and this, this thing that I call myself. Yes. And, and being the we, being the vessel, as you say, and allowing it to come through because that, that's what we're here for. Exactly. And I think if we're in survival mode, it's very difficult to access, like, what does it mean to be in community? What does it mean to participate in solving some of the problems in the world that we're seeing right now that we know aren't serving um, humanity or serving the planet in some ways? And when you're in survival mode, the concern is is primarily yourself, you know, and your immediate environment. If you have children and you're in survival mode, then it's you and your, your family, you and your kids, right? So how do we collectively solve for anything if we're all just trying to get through the day and just get by? Um, you know, the survival responses, I see it when I talk about the survival pattern, like the degrees are on the one hand pushing harder to try and get things done. And then on the flip side of that, disassociating and numbing out. And then it's just degrees in between those two things. And we're usually just battle in the internal battle between the, those two polarities. And they play out obviously in, in specific nuanced ways for each person. Like when I track the survival pattern with people, we look at it from the mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and behavioral aspects. And we get really, really nuanced about exactly what's going on in your experience when you're having a survival response in a difficult situation. And so as you increase the awareness over, oh my God, I'm having a survival response because most of us don't even know that we're having a survival response. We just think it's normal. <laughs> we think it's normal that, well, yeah, we should push ourselves a little bit harder to get through the day or get through that task. We think it's normal to feel underlying anxiety. We think it's normal to be like, sometimes get to the point of like, what's the point in even being here or losing our sense of faith and, and trust that things are going to work out. So we're so normalized to living with despair and hopelessness. And so it's difficult for us to see our way to solving for things. So that's why I really do believe that we individually need to work on what is our survival response to difficult situations or challenging moments in our lives. And then have the tool set to be able to return ourselves back to a non-survival based place over and over and over again as a practice for our lives. And, you know, I, I said to the, the woman that I was coaching this morning, I, you know, I said, it took me two years about of working with my survival response and my own survival pattern before I would go weeks or months without seeing a survival response. I was able to maintain that state of non-resistance to life. And go, okay, so challenging situations upon me. Now what? You know, yeah. finding the grace and the path of least resistance to really dealing with moments like that became much easier because I had committed myself to not wanting to live from that survival-based place because it just doesn't feel good. So it's primarily for me. And then when you're outside of that, now all of a sudden you're like, whoa, everyone's in survival mode and everyone is in pain. And how do we how do we contribute effectively to our communities and really make a difference? And I believe, I believe that in an ideal world, we would be building companies and building community projects and solving problems and protesting from a non-survival-based place. 
I believe that that would get us better results. Now, I'm not saying that having a survival response to injustice is incorrect. It is absolutely correct. Like, I really want to be clear about that in my work. But being a no and running clean anger when you see an injustice is an absolute appropriate response. The trouble is that most of us are personalizing everything. And the personalization is problematic because now it's a bunch of people running around in pain trying to make a difference. And again, it'll get you somewhere, but the problem is that the people who are doing the work will pay the price. They will burn out. They won't feel good along the way. It'll be very challenging. It'll be extremely depleting. And then we lose good people to the good fight. Absolutely. And you know, most of us want the same thing. It's really, really the massive majority that all wants the same thing. It's only a minority that is interested in continuing these systems of oppression. But because we're in survival mode, we haven't figured out how to work together. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt that the systems and the structures that we're that we're living are 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 condu- are not are, sorry are conducive to our well being. Um, you know, we're not, we're not living in, most of us are not living in a society or in a community that is conducive to our, our, our thriving. It, it's right now, it's taking a lot of work to even just get by. Um, huge believer side note and universal guaranteed income, but all that to say, um, yeah, you know, we have solutions. There's so many solutions out there, but the implementation of them is very challenging right now, because again, I mean, I know this, I see friends around me, like trying to even just participate at a local level, getting overwhelmed by what it takes to actually implement an idea, right? Like have a great idea about, oh my God, wouldn't it be so much better if this bylaw was passed? But the work required is quite, it's quite something. So if we're equipped to not be in survival mode, if we're equipped to get things done in a way that, that again, cultivates that peace of mind as we go, now all of a sudden we have a better shot at implementing change. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's an, and as we talk about an ongoing practice, it's, it's never going to end the work of being okay, but recognizing that there's, that you're in a survival mode is almost half the battle. And then it's identifying the responses and just working with them as they come up, which requires being with the underlying pain. Yes. Yes. The underlying pain is a huge factor um, in, in the work that I do really going directly to the source of the pain that's causing our response. Again, you know, I, it's so funny. I laugh at myself sometimes. I think it's hilarious that I think about pain because I was someone that was raised with, you know, we didn't talk about emotions, really. We didn't really have high awareness over over our mental health or what was going on internally on the inside for ourselves. So, and our parents didn't, and that whole generation didn't. So it's, I, I just think it's hilarious that I'm one of these people now that is talking about this. <laughs> I feel, I mean, I, it's incorrect to say that I feel like a hippie, but you know, a little bit, right? Because I think back in the day, there would have been so much judgment about talking about your emotions. Um but yeah, pain is, pain is essential. Yes. It's essential to our experience. I mean, there's no way around it. And the fact that we're not taught this most basic thing that we experience and how to be with our own pain 
rather than projecting it outwards and thinking that the outside world is responsible for that pain experience. Um, it's incredible to me. It feels like we're sitting on a gold mine. Like I feel like I've, you know, being with pain is like, it unlocks everything. It's insane. It's such a gift. It's like the most magical thing ever. It's very challenging in the beginning when you don't have a relationship to pain. Most, most of us are afraid of pain. And that's why we spent our entire lives in a survival response, because the survival response believes that it's protecting us from feeling pain. That's why it exists. That's why we push ourselves harder. That's why we numb out. That's why we over control. That's why we make others wrong. That's why we live on the dichotomy of victim blame. All of those are just survival responses protecting us from feeling our own internal experience of pain. So with the work that I teach, if we go directly to the pain over time, it completely dissolves the survival response. It's incredible. And it frees us in, in ways that are unimaginable. And so when we work with at the level of pain and we free ourselves of that, and we, we got to bring laughter and lightness to it. There's so much lightness to be had around it as well. Um, but, but yes, um, having a safe container to explore your own pain. If there's one thing I could leave with listeners with finding a safe place and a safe container to explore your own pain. Oh, if you can, if you can give yourself that gift, please do. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And and thank you for, for joining us today and, um, and sharing all of that. I think, I think people are going to be really, really deeply felt in this space and uh, eager to continue following your work and um, they can find you on social media, groundwork.xyz um, and, and Rita Huja on, on Twi- uh, TikTok, on the TikTok. Can't forget the clock app. On the TikTok. Um, um LinkedIn as well and um yeah and I'll continue to we're gonna we're gonna talk on this podcast again great Uh, yeah um and so stay tuned for more and um is there anything else you want to encourage leave people with or share or direct them to before we wrap up um, let me see. I think I think that's good. I mean, I, again, if there's a book recommendation I could leave you with that that speaks to the work that I do, Rest is Resistance by Trisha Hersey. Um, she's just, ugh, what an incredible force. Um, uh, she she writes like a gospel, so it's beautiful to read and and uh, evocative of the po- of the poem that you opened with from from Hafez. So I highly recommend her her book as an easy way to get started on the journey of letting go of the survival based patterning that we've inherited from the system that we're that we're caught up in so that would be my recommendation to get started perfect thank you so much thank you thanks for having me my pleasure talk again soon